One of the things I can always count on is that there will always be confirmation. Now, what is confirmation? Confirmation is when you get that sign from the universe, that little synchronistic kismet moment that reassures you that what you're doing is right. And the fact that Anchor by Spotify makes everything so easy to record my podcast and upload it, I've got episodes lined up for the rest of the year, all in one place, because everything can be done either on my desktop or on my phone. Anchor has the tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast anywhere, right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and so many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, it's totally free. I would suggest downloading the Anchor app or going to anchor.fm to get started because the one thing that could happen is you put out something that everyone needs to hear and you get confirmation of exactly what you needed. Even though there are millions of podcasts already, the world doesn't have yours. Join Anchor today. Welcome back to another episode of Metaphysical as Fuck. On this episode, we're going to be talking, well, I'm going to be talking about what is Reiki. And this episode is recorded at 417 hertz because I know this is going to be a topic that not a lot of people are going to really, not to say that no one understands, I know everyone deeply understands this because it's something that's ingrained in all of us. So 417 hertz helps undo emotional patterns. So this frequency that you're hearing behind my voice is specifically meant to send out a sacred harmonic shape, one of the seven platonic shapes that make up everything in the universe. One of those tetrahedrons is sent to your vibrational being through just listening to this, and that helps alleviate traumatic energy. It balances your sacral chakra, and, well, remember what we talked about in the first episode, so maybe it doesn't balance your sacral chakra, but it does send the healing energy needed to your sacral chakra to bring it into a more vibrationally aligned state for what you need at this moment in time. And it helps undo patterns that if you think that you don't believe in something, a belief is one, a belief is only a thought you keep thinking. Say that again to yourself. A belief is only a thought that you keep thinking. So if you don't believe in Reiki, ask yourself why you would keep, ask yourself what thoughts you're thinking. Ask yourself, question your beliefs. Um, because Reiki is something that you don't have to believe in for it to, for it to work. We're also going to talk about learning how Reiki can be enhanced with plant medicine and how San Pedro, specifically mescaline, which is the present, the prominent compound in San Pedro cactus, how that plant medicine upgraded my shamanic abilities. So let's just get into it. Um, what, what is Reiki? That's one of the most common questions. We have this natural human instinct and we see it in animals as well to touch. It's a natural thing to do. So Reiki breaks down to literally mean two words put together. Ki is chi, as in the martial arts force that, or the force that martial artists use to maintain their sense of well-being and their sense of, you know, motivation, determination, everything that it takes to be a martial artist. 
um, they're channeling their key, which is their life force energy. Ray is as in the spirit, the spirit, the universal life. So this is spiritually guided or universal life force guided energy, basically. It's a hands-on approach to using the healing power of touch that we know is beneficial in times of stress, that we see animals um, poke and prod and nuzzle and touch each other and greeting and comfort each other. We know this is a system that is is, is beneficial. Um, it was brought forward by Dr. Mikay Use. Probably saying that wrong, but it's all right. Um, uh, in Reiki, we obtain a new charged awareness of our physical and energetic realities by directly experiencing them both simultaneously. This, yeah, this can result in multidimensional mind-body states. This is going to blow your mind. Reiki differs from non-traditional approaches to healing touch in two specific ways. The first is that the Reiki practitioner has a natural inclination to touch and simple responses to not necessarily physical physical illness or injury, but just natural human touch. Second, and probably more surprising to anyone learning about Reiki, is that the healing doesn't really have to, they don't necessarily, we don't have necessarily have to even touch you. You can come in the room, and that raises the entire vibration of the room. Um, the, the, the process, the energy exchange, is what the experience of Reiki is. It, just, it doesn't necessarily require either the physical presence, or the active participation of the participants. So that's where distant Reiki comes into into play is you don't have to be in the physical presence of someone to receive their healing energy, which if all this is too much, if this is just like blowing your mind, that's another, like you can go onto my website and find out about this little program I've got called 21 Days of Usay, which is basically you get to receive distant Reiki for 21 days and you, the way that we do it is we connect over a certain prompt. I give you a certain prompt and you sit in meditation for, I don't make you sit in meditation for more than 11 minutes and you can do that. You can dedicate five minutes at night, five minutes in the morning to your fucking self and connect and be open to receive an energy exchange from someone and if you like what you experience, then, you know, we'll move on to the next step. And we'll, if you like to be attuned to Reiki, then we'll go from there. But either way, if, you know, there's that. So my website's MaggieMayWilson.com. <laughs> now the fun part. <laughs> well, this, this whole thing's going to be fun. Who teaches Reiki? So you may have experienced Reiki and you may really want to figure out, you know, you want to do this. If you've had a memorable experience with this and have enjoyed the way that Reiki alleviates stress um, or you uh, want to learn learn more about this, one of the first requirements is one finds their own teacher. So if you want to learn Reiki, you'll have to find a Reiki teacher who was called a Reiki master. And remember your favorite teachers throughout the years? Oh my gosh, I remember my favorite teachers. Oh, Miss, Miss Montgomery? Oh my gosh. Yes. Ask, you know, you look for the teacher. Don't compromise. That's what I'm getting to. Don't compromise. Don't settle for second best. Ask difficult questions of this person. This is the person that you want to, to give you the gift 
of using the force. So do you want Vader teaching you or do you want Obi-Wan Kenobi teaching you? So that's your that's the question for you. Um, when can one speak to oneself from the center of the universe? Ask this question to your Reiki master. Ask about your prospective teacher's philosophy. Ask about their Reiki experiences and how long it took them to become a master. What aspects of mastery does this person demonstrate to you? Look for a teacher with a foundation of comprehensive training and practice in the rich tradition of Reiki. You want someone experienced. You don't want someone who's just rushed into this because if that's the... It, if that's the frequency you want, that's the frequency you'll get. If you want to do this quick, then you'll find somebody who did it quick. If you want to do this and experience it and work with this energy for a lifetime, you'll find someone that's on that same frequency as well. You look for someone who's able to blend um, aspects of the training with discussions and interactions in an environment that encourage you to integrate what you learn into everyday life. So, you, you know, that's a lot of the basis of what Reiki teacher training is, is taking the aspects of being a Reiki master and teacher and incorporating them into everyday life for the first attuned. How do you learn Reiki? So this is a brief, this is how I was taught. Um, this is not exactly, everyone teaches differently. Um, but usually they're taught in four three-hour sessions and the students experience their relationship to the whole by starting with the study of the physical body and its systems and uh, in a tangible three-dimensional sphere. So you really start to understand like the quantum physics of your vibrational being inside of a vessel that's aware of its consciousness, that's also aware that it, of its third-dimensional body. Like it's kind of takes you out of it really. We familiarize ourselves with the Reiki movements, the hand placements, we learn the correlation of the various message centers in the body. In Reiki teacher training, we go very deep into the psychological aspects of when the chakras form, why the chakras form, everything that quantumly goes on uh, through quantum healing. Um, that's my specialty that I've brought into the Reiki, to, to Reiki because Reiki is basically a, like, you're like a fruit that never goes old, but just keeps getting juicier and juicier and riper and riper and riper. Um, so there's first degree and second degree. Um, in the first degree, you really, you learn about the backstory of Dr. Uh, Usa, uh, we call, they just call him Usei Sensei, so I'm just going to call him Usei Sensei. You learn about the backstory of Usei Sensei, and you learn about, you know, how to integrate Reiki into, into your life, basically, and you only work on the self. In the seminar, you work on cultivating tenderness and compassion for yourself and others. Here's where you learn to work with multidimensional aspects. Um, of being and uh, multidimensional aspects of subtle energy. Um, this is where you really start to like nothing gets past you. Body language, nothing really can get past you. Um, so do you need to be licensed to practice Reiki as a therapist? Let's talk about that for a second. Reiki is a standard therapy used with success in complementary medicine. Worldwide, a broad spectrum of practicing health professionals uh, employ and recommend Reiki. Reiki is available in hospitals. Doctors, dentists, nurses, physical and occupational therapists, chiropractors, psychologists. I mean, most massage therapists are Reiki practitioners too. So if you just ask your, next time you go get a massage, ask your massage therapist if they know a Reiki practitioner or if they are a Reiki practitioner. And guaranteed, 70% of you will have the answer yes come to you. Um, 
it's amazing how frequent and how apparent Reiki really is, but it's just not so it's just not so widely spread yet. There are no prerequisites for learning Reiki. Uh, the best way to learn Reiki is just to keep practicing it once you get your attunements. You build confidence in growing whenever you use the system over and over again, and you begin to have this ability and to intuit appropriate responses that are very, very valuable for people. Saying things that they're like, oh, I was just talking about that, or, or reaching out to them, oh, I was just talking about you. And I don't know, I think I wanted to go over this earlier, but I did a dab before I did this, before I started recording. So uh, thankful for the plant medicine that I get to use. And uh, I meant to talk about, is Reiki a religion? Reiki's practiced at home uh, or in the workplace or where, it, it can, you can get Reiki anywhere. But it's not practiced as one practices a religion. Some Reiki practitioners are very spiritual and some are not. Reiki does encourage spiritual contemplation, even on a mystical level, because of the quantum aspect of it. It's the you know, it's just how you approach it. You can be Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, pagan, Protestant, Buddhist, whatever. You know, I mean, every every practitioner is different. Every person is different. No one is excluded from learning or practicing Reiki. And age not a limitation. Nor is sex, body shape, size, gender, race, nothing. Intelligence, nothing. Oh, you know, everybody. Int everybody is everybody has an intention and intent is a serious business and this is what takes precedence over reiki what you intend to do not who you are not what you look like what's your intention so focusing your attention on not being stressed is not is not the only benefit of reiki of course i, I every of course everybody has stress but since i've been attuned to reiki for nearly a decade now my level of stress is like almost non-existent and the things that do cause stress in my life oh gosh it's really all love it's really all love the things that want to cause stress in your life are causing you to figure out what you love so much and blend out that contrast to just get your life so now that we've we've kind of went over everything feel free you know you can email me uh any questions just email metaphysical af at gmail.com and I'll get to your questions if there's anything that I've said oh I want to say if there's anything that I've said that doesn't resonate true with you that's fucking great because the wonderful part about Reiki is knowing that not everything is true for everyone so if you hear something or say something that doesn't resonate truth for someone that's okay because everyone has a different truth if their intention it's all about intention. So if something I say doesn't resonate as true, then that's okay. Just let it fall by the wayside and, you know, don't get into a frequency of fear and judgment about it. Reiki, practices, Reiki practice produces changes in bodily functions, such as relief from tension, noticeable relaxation, modification of old stuff, behaviors, and openness to the new. So like back to this frequency that's playing under the pattern, you know, in undoing emotional patterns. So with Reiki practice, it be can become easy to listen carefully to your bodily wisdom, which helps reduce pain, uh, helps you have preventative care for long-term well-being. You're aware of what your body is telling you before it's too late. Commitment to the practice of Reiki reveals much reflection. You can get sudden insight, abundance, unexpected blessings, miracles, yeah. Um, studies show that Reiki helps to balance and ground its participants, and everybody needs self-grounding. Everybody. 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 It helps lower blood pressure. 
and resistance to anxiety. So you've got that. Involvement in caring for your need at many levels. I think that's probably the most because you get a new heightened awareness and a new mental clarity that just enhances your connections and growth to everybody and everything around you, which is really wonderful. So moving on to talk about Reiki and plant medicine. And I'm specifically going to talk about the plant medicine that I've had the most the most uh, transformation with that really heightened my sensory perceptions and Reiki abilities. And that is San Pedro. And I'm going to talk to you about uh, talk about that. So San Pedro was discovered and used by indigenous for more than 3,000 years. Uh, the duration of uh, using San Pedro lasts about 8 to 12 hours. And it's associated with the indigenous people in Peru, Bolivia, Ecuador, Argentina, and Chile. Its key compound is mescaline. So, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's such a wonderful plant medicine to work with. So the origins and the background... It grows in the sun, but it's been, it says, even though it grows in the sun, it's been thriving in the shade for many decades. Uh, in popular culture, the cactus is overshadowed by its better known sister, ayahuasca, who, of course, we know popularly, everybody's on that ayahuasca train. Today, ayahuasca is a cottage industry that draws thousands of spiritual tourists to the jungle every year, but very few people trek there for the equally powerful San Pedro ceremonies. As a mescaline-containing plant, San Pedro is outshined by the peyote cactus, whose ceremonial use has expanded from the deserts of Mexico to various Native American tribes across the United States. Though they produce the same psychedelic compound, peyote and San Pedro cacti thrive in very different habitats and on separate continents. And they have unique traditions between indigenous tribes that that they're very sacred and in tribes for specific, various different ways. Peyote is very masculine. Uh, San Pedro is the feminine aspect. It ta- unlike peyote, where it takes decades uh, to mature and into this short little button, uh, San Pedro is a fast-growing cactus, like fast-growing giant. Its stalks can easily grow up to 10 or 20 feet and often grow 12 inches or more in a year. San Pedro has been continuously used in South America for three millennia, and as an indicator of its influence and staying power, images of San Pedro cactus are everywhere. They appear along hummingbirds and jaguars, as well as motifs associated with visionary aspects. Uh, Ceramic artifacts from distinct Andean cultures also have a San Pedro cactus on them. It's very highly regarded by the Chavin people, a pre-Incan civilization in Peru, because they decorated their clothing, pottery, and holy places with this distinctive form. So they were all unmasculine all the time. Uh, <laughs> in a temple high in the mountains of northern Peru, archaeologists found a stone carving depicting a god holding the cactus. So that carving dates back to 1300 BCE. But there's older evidence. There's even older evidence than that. It says that... Um, I'm reading this amazing book that this is from, and I'll uh, I'll tell you about the book at the end, but you can get it. Um, at another Chavin site, the Peruvian archaeologist discovered remnants of what appears to be cigar-like tubes of San Pedro flesh. So, big-ass lungs. <laughs> These dated back to 200 or 2200 BCE more than two millennia before St. Peter, which is who the plant gets its namesake from, even was on the, even was on the earth. So the spirit of San Pedro um, is called a kuma by the natives, and it's been brought 
for many purposes throughout ceremony for centuries. Chiefs among chiefs would diagnose various illnesses and treat them. They would also use it to strengthen familial bonds and tribal bonds and purify the body and spirit. As this plant is a powerful spirit medicine ally, it's not it's been used to cure mental illness such as insanity, depression, and alcoholism. And it's was also used to combat curses or, you know, witch, not so much witchcraft. I don't like to say witchcraft. So crazy. As soon as I started to say that, my, as soon as I said witchcraft, my thing started, my audio technology started to mess up. So moving on, protection spells. Um, <laughs> San Pedro may also be used to improve one luck one's luck or a lost item it was you know it was used for many different things the natives believe that the cactus bears knowledge and that a person consuming its juices will encounter the answers to the questions in their heart it is even used to foretell the future so very interesting now you should all go back and watch fear and loathing again <laughs> and read the book again and listen to his experiences on mescaline and really really listen to that and and you know also like you know reach out so this is going to tell you about the experience. Like the peyote cactus, San Pedro is a dyed-in-the-wool psychedelic plant. The 8-12 to 12 hour trip usually includes kaleidoscopic visions, profound epiphanies, intense or even contradictory feelings, and distortions of time and space. Through the visual hallucinations, uh, not through, even though the visual hallucinations can be um, like really great, the main experience through this is really spiritual and emotional qualities that come up for you. Depending on what you eat it with, you may develop a little bit of nausea, but um, I tend to notice that if I consume plant medicine with some kind of high vibrational food, I tend to have a better experience. These are the words of a Peruvian shaman who talks about ayahuasca, or no, talks about San Pedro. At first, San Pedro produces drowsiness or a dreamy state and a feeling of lethargy, a slight dizziness. Then a great vision, a clearing, it produces a light numbness in the body and afterward a tranquility. And then comes detachment, a type of visual force, inclusive of all the senses, including the sixth sense, the telepathic sense of transmuting oneself across time and matter, like a kind of removal of one's thought to a distant dimension. And a modern user describes the effect of San Pedro as powerful meditative trance. They said, there was no difference between the inside and the outside. This was a man named Philip Cooper. No boundaries between the mountain and me. I felt I was experiencing my true nature with everything around me. My consciousness was taking everything in on an elemental, prelingual basis. There was no distraction. Before taking the cactus, Cooper adds, transcendental states were just hearsay or only accessible through so much meditation and hard work. On San Pedro, I was suddenly there. So... I think that's really interesting, and I think that's a good note to end on. I think I covered everything that I wanted to. So if you have any questions, reach out, metaphysicalaf at gmail.com. If you want to learn more about Reiki, feel free to reach out. I do mentor. I've got two wonderful people I'm mentoring at the moment. Um, one is in the Philippines, and one is in Montana. So no matter where you are, we can, you know, we can get work done together. So... Thanks for stopping by and listening and hope to hear or see or feel from you again. Bye.